0: Okay, we continue our Sunday sermon sessions within the Gospel of John. And uh, it has certainly been a very interesting journey thus far throughout the chapters. And we together uh, have been able to learn a lot about our Master, about Jesus, and how he uh, indeed um, fulfilled his ministry and is fulfilling in his ministry. And the section, or the portion of scriptures we are at today, is in chapter 8, and it will be verses 21 through verse uh, 30. Thus far we've seen, of course, Jesus speak of the new birth, which is the very moment in which one would become a child of god and we see jesus pointing to that new birth in response to his death burial resurrection witness and ascension and he has been speaking of these things we have seen him speak to the people the crowds of his coming death on the cross and we've also seen quite revealing so that those of his own kind, the Jews, his own culture, his own people, his own family, would not receive him. They would have a more so superficial faith. And we see how his interaction with them is quite stronger in instruction, in command, in rebuke. Then we see the foreigner the Gentiles, the Greeks, the heathens, the pagans, and how he would interact with them very differently because their hearts were more so genuine in faith, in trust of him as the restorer than his own people, the Jews. And that is not to say that some Jews believed in him, and that perhaps even many might have believed in him, but most did not. And because of this, we see also the Jewish leadership, which is the Sanhedrin, which is made up of the political parties of power and policy of their day, such as the chief priests, the elders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, the officers, and all that would entail the governing power of the Jewish system. And the power of the Jewish system was still under a greater power when it came to certain laws, such as capital punishment, which took the permission of the Roman Empire to administer. And though the Jewish power of the sanhedrin the governing power of the sanhedrin did not get along within its faculties politically so they became united in their goal to get rid of jesus because jesus posed a threat to them they were losing control of the people And if they lose control of the people, they lose control of the money the people gave. And these Jewish powers, most of which were self-righteous hypocrites. And they practiced all sorts of treachery. And they were filled with pride and control. And Jesus came to liberate the people from the oppression of this governing body, that had since gone away from the authenticity of the law in order to create their own traditions in which they would oppress the people with. And Christ came to tell them, you don't need these gatekeepers anymore. You do not need these keyholders anymore. All you need to do is know that Christ is the Messiah. Believe in him and follow him. And because of that, of course, we see the Jewish leadership grow in great hostility towards jesus we see them plot and twist and test we see them seek to slander call jesus all sorts of erroneous charges and accusations we've seen jesus defend his deity his person his fulfillment of the prophets we've seen him call the scriptures we've seen him call in defense of his person, Moses. To which, of course, the religious governing body of the day through the Sanhedrin would see Moses as a great architect of their faith, of their lineage, of their ancestry. Back to Abraham. And so, we continue... In this gospel, and we see the theme move forward. Verse 21 of chapter 8. Then he said again to them. Now here in verse 21, the them would be the Jews. Prior to that, when we saw him speak of being the light of the world, it was more so specific to the pharisees and remember this here is at the end of their feast of boots which was a greatly anticipated feast and they were in a location of the temple which was the treasury which was the nearest to the sanhedrin which was the most dangerous place to be for jesus to be found yet no one touched him because jesus is always in control He was in control from the very beginning to when he would give up his spirit. We keep that in mind as the context moves forward in these verses. So verse 21, then he said again to them, the crowds, the Jews, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going You cannot come. Now that's quite the statement to people who are known to be the people of God, who are known to be believers, who are known to have faith, who have been obeying the law through the subordination of their pharisaical overlords. where christ is going they cannot follow and not only that they are going to die in their sins how dare jesus say such a thing to religious people who are known to be believers in the great god the great i am but you see he understands the hardness of their hearts and he knows he has to challenge them into a decision of either repentance Or sadly, further hardening of their hearts. I go away and you will seek me. What does that mean? Here's the context The Jews had been greatly anticipating the coming Messiah, they had been reading the prophecies from the prophets they respected. But yet here he is before them, Jesus, the Christ. And they neglect him. They reject him. He cannot be the Messiah we've been eagerly anticipating because he's not gone through the proper channels, the school of thought through the pharisaical education system. He is of a lowly birth. A man who we know to be the son of a carpenter. In Nazareth. Remember the three-point qualifications they had since in tradition memorized, which was not accurate to the holy text, the holy scriptures. They had given themselves an image of the Christ that was not accurate to the prophets' writing. In other words, they created Christ in their own image. And when he did not appear in the image they had created, they were angry. And so they rejected him. But here he is. There he was before them. On the way to the cross, willfully to die. For them, even. So, you know what was going to happen after Jesus was dead and buried and resurrected and gone among them from a physical standpoint? You know what they were going to keep doing? Keep seeking the Messiah. You know why? Because they didn't believe it was Jesus. Isn't that crazy? And to this day, those who claim Judaism are still awaiting the Messiah. They saw this man raise the dead, cure the sick. Make whole the lame, control the weather, and know the inner thoughts of mankind in a way no one could. He could cast out demons. God had not intervened with these people for 400 years. You would think all of that together would be a loud neon sign flashing saying, This is the Messiah. I go away. I'm going to the cross, he says. And you'll seek me. You'll still keep seeking for the Messiah. And because of it, you'll die in your sins. You'll die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. The place that is going to be prepared for all who believe in him, these could not go. It tells us there is much more than just belief, isn't there? There needs to be an action with our belief. We need to outwardly express our trust in Christ from what is within our hearts. If we believe in Jesus, then that must mean something outwardly. And God, in His infinite mercy, expects us to show Him that love. So the Jews, so the Jews, right? You see this... Reply from the Jews, from the Pharisees. Look at verse 13. So the Pharisees, so the Jews. Why not just accept what he is saying and be humble to it? Poor in spirit will be the ones who have the kingdom. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. They're thinking worldly. They're thinking earthly. They're thinking flesh-like. Here and now, they're not thinking of the spiritual. He goes away somewhere. What is he talking about? Taking his own life? And he was saying to them, in verse 23, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Interesting how John would pen in his letters that we cannot love the world and love God together. It is impossible. You must love God first and foremost. These here were snared in the shackles of a worldly mind and a fleshly pursuit. They were not genuine, and they were captivated by the charm and subordination of their superiors who were corrupt. And so it is just that our Lord and Master, the Christ, would say to them, you are from below. In other words, you do not belong to my Father because you don't believe in me. I am from above. He is of a heavenly power and a heavenly realm. He is not of this world. He lowered himself to walk among us in this world for the purpose of redemption. But these Jews, these religious leaders, and all who are stiff-necked and hardened of heart, they're missing the mark. And they will die in their sins. Therefore, verse 24, I said to you, that you will die in your sins. The plurality of the sins is everything they had in their worldview religiously, in what they practiced, in their traditions, their rituals, their hostility towards the Christ, their rejection of him, all of it. They sought the praise of men. They were greedy. They were self-righteous. They were hypocrites. And they were slanderers. They were liars. They were manipulators. All of those things they would die in because they would not humble their hearts to repent and follow Jesus. So they were saying to him, in verse 25, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you? From the beginning. (laughs) Have you not been paying attention to what you've seen and what you've heard? What other man walking among you can do the things that I have been doing? Even among them, one knew that, Nicodemus. Yet not enough. Not enough to move forward. So they were saying to him, who are you? Who is he? Have you not been paying attention? Thus far we've seen him with great authority defend his messiahship, his equality with the Father, his humanity, his person. He's provided ample confirmation of his power through the miraculous occurrence It's just so mind-blowing. And we think reading it in retro that we'd be there humble and following Jesus, but we just might be there subordinate to the Pharisees also hating Jesus. Where would we find ourselves in the first century Palestine hearing this information and seeing this information? Would our hearts be so hardened? what have i been saying to you from the beginning and this of course can have two perspectives of course from the beginning of his ministry which in the gospel of matthew the first words recorded were repent for the kingdom of god is at hand and we can even go in perspective spiritually speaking to the very beginning of it all prior to the formation of mankind into to the very literature that was penned down by inspiration through Moses. What was given? Christ to come. The Messianic prophecy in Genesis 3.15. From the very beginning, Christ was to come. For it was the only way to repair what had been broken through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And we today still live the consequence of that very Sorrowful and devastating moment in our human history. What have I been saying to you from the beginning? Aren't you paying attention? I've many things to speak, verse 26. I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. Part of his ministry, my dear friends, was to expose them, to expose them for who they truly followed they gave themselves the masquerade before the people as being bastions of scholarly power and insight and religious leadership. They portrayed themselves with the enlargening of their phylacteries. They produced themselves the chief seats and the, the reception of the people, the praise of the people. They produced a masquerade to the people, manipulating them into thinking that these here had the greater good of God's purpose for them in their lives. Christ came to expose them to whom they truly served and whom they truly belonged to, and in the coming sessions, in the coming Sundays, ahead, Lord willing, we shall see to whom they really belong to, because Christ will tell them who their Father really is. I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. The Son speaking of the Father, the Father being true. Truth is reality. And reality sets us free from a lie. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do for his people. To set them free from the lie. The bondage of the one who produced the deceiving lie. I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And all and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. Jesus as a man always submissive to his father in heaven, always obedient to the law. He never broke the Jewish law that was given penned by the old covenant. Oh, he would break the traditions of the Pharisees who had since bound their own laws. These things I speak To the world they did not realize verse 27 that he had been speaking to them about the father how could they see him for who he was while having a log sticking out of their foreheads how could they they couldn't they were blind guides leading the blind off the cliff with the swine to drown in their sins They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. But I assure you, some are paying attention in the crowds. Most won't. Most will have their hearts hardened, but some are listening. Jesus says to them, verse 28, When you lift up the Son of Man, then, then you will know that I am. He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. In other words, once you see me crucified, you will know I am God on earth, the Messiah. And we know through the recorded accounts that everyone knew he was when the ground shook and the dead rose, when God's anger and His righteous wrath, for they had murdered His Son, had to be displayed. When you lift up the Son of Man, when you nail me to that cross, then you will come to know that I am the Messiah, and I do nothing on my own initiative. It will be done according to the will of my Father, because He is a man submissive to to God, his Father. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. Verse 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father and Son are one. He has not left me alone. Though Christ was abandoned by everyone else, his Father would never leave him alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And if Christ is indeed our example, our Master, our King, our Savior, then we are wise to follow His instruction and to understand that though we might find ourselves alone in this life, persecuted harshly by not only believers who are corrupt, but the foreigner, the outsider, the non-believer, we are never alone. We have our Master, Jesus Christ. And again, he speaks of the power of the coming cross and how his death, burial, and resurrection, witness, and ascension would be the fulfillment of the prophets and the redemptive plan of salvation for mankind forevermore. And if they would only had been paying attention, they would believe and they would obey the new birth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born out of water and the Spirit, you cannot... You will never be found within the realm of salvation, which is the church Jesus built. If they would just have paid attention that this man was the Messiah to be crowned king of the kingdom, to which there would no longer be a division among the people of culture, of skin color of language, of geographical location, but that we could all be made one in Christ in His assembly. And what a blessing it truly is to be within His love and assembly here as the East Coast Church of Christ in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. As He spoke, we finish in verse 30, as He spoke these things, many came to believe in Him anyone who has the heart to listen is going to believe and be set free from the bondage of lies and those who are the liars very interesting information it still holds great authority for you and i today and we can have practical application from what we read In our lives today we should be humble and follow Jesus that's who we follow you don't follow me I don't follow you we together follow Jesus we don't need the Pharisees we don't need any gatekeeper or key holders we don't need the pastors the priests the reverends we don't need the co-workers the friends the family the moms the dads the grandparents we need Jesus And if all who love him follow him, then we have each other together with him, following him and no other. It is sad that in our day and age in the church, these pharisaical types still are well and alive. The wolves in sheep's clothing are well and alive. People who claim to be Christians, who claim to be believers, sadly practice evil things and cause much pain and sorrow. But Jesus... He rescues us from, from those things, doesn't He not? He rescues us. Look at what He has done with us. He has rescued us. He loves us that much. And of course, the new birth is always available to all who seek that refuge, that forgiveness, His grace. To be born again out of water in the Spirit, to be added by His hand to His church, is available to all who seek that. And what a merciful God we have. Very good. That will be the conclusion to our sermon session this day. We can now uh, have ourselves a song.